you are listening to the Invitation Church podcast. To learn more about Invitation Church, visit us online at invitation605.com. You can also download our app on iTunes and Google Play by searching for Invitation 605. Oh man, it's just good to be together Uh, for the season of Advent, the, the month of December for our our gatherings, uh, we wanted to do something uh, a little bit different, and we wanted to have a bit of a conversation kind of around one theme uh, as we kind of come into the Christmas season. We've done different things uh, throughout the years uh, that we have uh, been a church. We've kind of unpacked uh, some Christmas hymns. We've talked about that, and we've talked about you know, the characters of Christmas, Mary and Joseph and uh, the shepherds and the wise men and, and all of that. And we've kind of gone through the, the Luke chapter 2 narrative of the Christmas story and, uh, and all of that. And, you know, last year we kind of had this conversation, you know, how the, the birth of Jesus marks a new season. And so you have uh, before Christ and then you have with Christ and, and that goes forever. And so we kind of talked about that. And uh, what we wanted to do uh, this time is just to kind of talk uh, about God with us. You know, so we've been saying that this morning, Emmanuel. And so it's a, it's a title that you hear a lot about around this, this time of year. And, and it's really the centerpiece of who God is. Uh, that God's not a God that's, that's out to lunch somewhere, that's far off, that's distant. Uh, he did not just create the world, spin it into motion, and then took his hands off. Uh, that's a, a, a way of looking at the world called deism that God would create the world, and then he'd spin it into motion, and then he's kind of done, he's kind of out. And uh, I think sometimes it's easy for us to kind of feel that way about God. And I think we feel that way about God is because we've experienced that a lot. We've experienced, I think, as a people, uh, a lot of abandonment in just kind of a, a whole host of different ways. Um, and so I think it's easy for us to think that, like, well, this must be kind of how God God works. There's going to be a moment when he's going to be here, and then he's going to uh, be gone. And, and what is amazing is to just kind of take some time to think about, like, what does it actually mean that God's with us? Like, what about with us in this season? What about with us in this season? What about in the midst of this? Uh, is he with us? And so uh, last week, I had an opportunity to have a conversation uh, with uh, Adam Seif and Travis Lavender. i uh, real thankful uh, for their words and wisdom and, and insight into this. Uh, And this morning, I get to invite Richie Hutchinson up. So if you would welcome Richie, that would be awesome. And uh, Richie is somebody that has uh, been in my life uh, for uh, a long time. And when I think of uh, Richie, uh, a word that uh, comes to mind uh, is the word uh, hospitable. And so he's somebody that just like welcomes people. Um, into his life, into his story, what he has going on. He always has something going on, uh, but he's always welcoming people into that thing. And, and that was my experience uh, of him. We met when I was in sixth grade, and so that's going back uh, a little while. Uh, there was something at Edison Middle School, go Tomcats, um, called First Priority. And it was kind of like a, a early morning Bible study, for lack of a, a better term, and we were kind of doing this event, and it's actually where I met Adam Seif, too. Adam's here today. Um, and so you can wave at him. He's in the back. And so it's where I met him, too. And, and uh, 
Adam actually introduced me to Richie and, and we ended up in inviting our school to this like after school party where we're going to eat a bunch of food and talk about Jesus and Richie actually thought it would be a good idea if he let Adam and I speak. Judgment was not one of the words he sure. used for me. Strong yeah. judgment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, hospitality, not judgment. Um, and so we're like, you know, 12-year-olds, right? I mean, we're, we're just... And so uh, I'll never forget that moment, not because I remember what I said and that it was awesome. I remember I had a note card and I wrote some things on it, but then when I actually went to do what I was going to do, I didn't have the note card anymore, you know? So you ever been in that moment in life? You're like, well, we're just going to do it. Um, but Richie is somebody um, that I... I'm really, really thankful for that somebody that has always seen stuff in me that I didn't see in myself, and he's called stuff out of me uh, that I didn't know was there, and we just like all need those people in life. It's what's beautiful, I think, uh, about the church, and uh, what's cool about Richie is that he's been doing that in my life in a long time, and he's still doing that. So uh, from, you know, 13 to 37, that's a little bit of a a little bit of a journey there. So thankful um, that you're that you're here uh, today to talk with us a little bit. Now, before we jump in to Emmanuel, God with us, just want to ha- talk about a few things first. Christmas questions. So number one would be uh, the Grinch or Charlie Brown Christmas. That'd be kind of what'd you say? The Grinch. Definitely the Grinch. Yep. Okay. Any Charlie Brown Christmas people in here? Yeah, some of us. Okay. Still on TV, I I always thought it was kind of a waste of TV space. Okay. (laughs) He's hospitable, and he's also direct. We're just getting down, getting down to it. I love it. Okay, Um, another question. So one Christmas album on eternal repeat. Okay. Kenny G or the Chipmunks Christmas? What would you say? I would go with Chipmunks Christmas. Oh, um, I was actually a huge Chipmunk fan growing up. Okay. So I had every one of their cassette tapes that you could have. <laughs> That's right. You can rewind it with a pencil. Yeah, Full exposure. So I don't really like Christmas music either. Yeah, so sure. but, yeah, uh, so okay. Chipmunks make it a little more fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. totally. You're making all kinds of friends today, so that's good. Um, <laughs> another question that I thought about, would you rather have Santa's laugh or the voice of an elf? Wow, I, I don't feel like I can choose Santa's lap, can I? Laugh. laugh. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I was like, that's a bad question, Dave. I'll take Santa's laugh. <laughs> I was like, wow. <laughs> I can't even choose that one. Oh, my so. gosh. I love Invitation Church so much. At I least can't not even, publicly, right? I can't even tell you how much I love it. Because <laughs> that's, like, that's not even a surprise, so that's awesome. Okay, um, more lights inside or outside of your house? Christmas lights. More inside or outside? Outside. Outside, yep. okay. Uh, we got to do fudge or Christmas cookies? Fudge. Okay. How do we feel about that? Christmas cookie people. Let me see our Christmas cookie people. How about my fudge people or my fudge people out? Okay. You never had the joy of having my grandma Hutch make fudge every oh, Christmas man. Eve, and that, that's why you're choosing cookies. Oh, so yeah. little grace for you on that one. <laughs> That's good. Okay. Uh, real Christmas tree or artificial Christmas tree? Um, so uh, we have one Christmas tree that my daughter puts up in her room because she loves Christmas decorating. So artificial. It's beautiful. Awesome. It's good. Any like real Christmas tree people in the house? 
Wow, not very many. Sad. Okay, all right, we can work on that. It's only your I five. feel like I am the Grinch on all these on my Christmas tree. What? <laughs> Be who you are. Um, okay, so we talked about this last week. Christmas food or drink that you would like to banish from planet Earth. Yeah. Ham has already been said. I'm going to, yeah, ham. <laughs> I don't know where that one came from. But so I, I don't even know if I have the name of it right, but like the peanut brittle or whatever. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I know that's going to cause me a lot of trouble with people, but everybody's like, oh, I made this. And I just, I think it could go. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It, it's hard and yeah. it's just not fun. Yeah. Peanut brittle people, people yeah. who are offended by that. Let's see. Okay. It's just good to know who is offended. It's helpful. Uh, okay, and then we also talked about, like, worst Christmas gift you've ever given somebody. Wow. Um, I couldn't think of a Christmas one, but this last Mother's Day, I was a little late to the card <laughs> section, so I got my wife a card that said something like, you have a strong voice for Mother's Day, because <laughs> um, gift-giving is not my love language. Um, but I, I come from a bad line of gift-givers, too. I know... Um, yeah, yeah, a, a bad line. So I remember my dad, my parents' anniversary is December 23rd, right around Christmas, getting yep. my mom a raccoon puppet for her anniversary. <laughs> so I feel like giving a card, letting my wife know she has a strong voice is a much, is progress, step in the right direction. Oh my gosh, it just keeps getting better and better, you guys. <laughs> awesome. Okay, so transition from Christmas questions to or talking about today, you know, the, the series we're in kind of hinges around two passages of Scripture. Uh, and one, uh, Steph's going to put up on the screen uh, for us, John chapter 1, verse 14. John says, And the Word, speaking of Jesus, became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And, you know, what we say around Advent is, you know, there's a, there's a baby coming. And, you know, there's nothing you can do about that. Uh, the, the baby's going to be here. And so just like a family that prepares uh, for that moment, I don't know if you've ever been in this moment in life where you've, like, had a giggle inside and there's just nothing you can do about it. Like it's at a, an inopportune time. I'm sure we all have stories of that and it's just, it's going to come out. I'm just sorry. Uh, maybe it's in church or school or, or somewhere else. Um, but at Advent, we, we kind of say that together, uh, that we're not stopping the baby from, from coming, from coming to earth. Uh, Rome isn't able to do that. Caesar isn't able to do that. Pharaoh um, isn't able uh, to do that. The, the hand of God is powerful enough to bring that baby here. The question that we're left with is, what are we going to do with that life? Like, is, is that life going to be connected to our life? Is the way of that baby, the words of that baby, uh, going to impact our, our daily life? And so John says, hey, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And so I'd love for you, Richie, just to talk a little bit uh, about that, like how you see God dwelling uh, with his, his people kind of throughout Scripture. And, and when you think about that, 
Um, talk to us about that a little bit. Yeah, so it, it was a few years ago, and I was still actually working as a pastor, and, and kind of a, a profound switch really in my whole theology and my outlook on who Jesus is and what God is up to in this world is, is at a conference, and um, they were talking about some of the different ways that you could kind of get people engaged in church, and a lot of the methods were like, what kind of music do you wear or do you have? Um, you know, what kind of smoke should you pop up out of the stage and things like that to get people engaged? And there was a little bit of this uh, discussion about like, um, well, I just think that's a little overboard and the gospel message is something like that. And the one person, you, you, if you're around church, you've heard this phrase says, well, we're not changing the message. We're just changing the mode, right? We're, mm -hmm. And just changing mode. And this guy said, he goes, well, the mode is the message. The mode is the message. And, and he went right back um, to this verse. And that the message um, and the gospel for us is that a God that desperately in his and her nature is to be with us mm -hmm. and to be amongst us, to be actively at work in the world um, and around us. So to me, th this verse here is like the pinnacle verse for me, the verse of what the whole gospel is, which is a God um, that dwells among us, that puts on flesh and blood, moves into the neighborhood, right? Mm -hmm creates a tent, sets up a tent, camps with us, and is there. And then, and then when you think about it in that verse, I think um, one more, one more uh, sentence you would have gone on, it talked about it being grace upon grace. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes we think that this just coming in is like this God like, hey, I made this world. It was perfect. You guys were supposed to like handle it. You messed it all up. I guess I'm going to have to come down there and help you guys all out, right? <laughs> kind of like this grumpy dad, like don't make me stop the car kind of thing. Um, but th that phrase grace upon grace is interesting because um, as a Christ follower or as any God-fearing person, if you go back to the creation story, right? If you go back to the creation story, what we find is the word or the very presence and force of God doing what? Hovering over chaos and darkness and choosing to do what? To enter it. Yeah. To go into that chaos, to go into that darkness and start separating, creating, forming, um, and moving. So to me, th this verse is the crux of what the good, good news is about mm -hmm. God. And it's the crux of who God is and what he's always been up to from the beginning of time in the world. And then I think that has huge consequences in a good way for us as humans who say we follow that God. Yeah. Yeah, I think like that's a, that's a really powerful thing for us to not only hear, but also for us to get our arms around, for us to experience, just because like, we experience throughout scripture and even in our own lives too, like God showing up, not in the way that we would expect, but in a way that's a surprise. You know, and I see, I think all throughout scripture, you see that, that like, oh, like that, that God is showing up, he's getting messy, he's entering into, whether it's this suffering or entering doubt or entering hardship, entering pain. Um, and, and I think this God who shows us what it looks like to be uncomfortable um, in, that, in that way, I think it's really beautiful. Uh, you know, a, a, another idea with the incarnation is, you know, it's not, it's not proof that God exists. Like sometimes we like to think of like, oh, like there's a baby, God exists, praise the Lord. And more than that, it's more beautiful than that. It's not just proof that God exists, but it's evidence of the heart of God to be with his people. You know, I think we've all had experiences where you've been with someone and they just didn't want to be there. All the teachers in the house, can I just, for a second, 
You know, whether it's like the arms crossed or whether it's the head down or whatever it happens to be, they're just not desirous to be where they are. And what we see about Jesus is that he embraces the, his humanity. He is with his people carrying joy. That you get the sense, if we could talk with some of the people that Jesus interacts with in the scriptures, that there's not another place that Jesus would like to be. So when he's talking with the woman at the well, for example, he's not looking for another appointment. He's not looking for another place to be. And that challenges us because we, we know what that's like. We know what it's like to be talking to somebody and for our mind to be somewhere else, to kind of thinking toward the next thing. But with Jesus, like, wherever he is, that's the thing. And so he enters that space and it, it challenges us and convicts us. And so the question's not, do you believe that Jesus came as a baby? But how does the incarnation, how does God with us disrupt us? Like, how does it change us? How does it expose something in us? So we talk about that a little bit? Yeah, so I'm going to riff just a little bit on um, even entering, the idea of entering. You know what I mean? So um, that that's, God, in a sense, enters through Jesus, but God is already fully alive and fully active and fully at work in the world. So I feel like that entering is more like a highlight, you know, so that phrase in your text or that phrase in your book was already there, but like the way of Jesus or the advent arriving of Jesus is just to highlight what God's already up to, right? And I think Christianity at its best, if we really are at our best as a group of people who follow Jesus, we're not people who arrive with the gospel message. We're not people who bring the truth to people. We're people who show up and help uncover it and help people see that it's already there. But to your question about how it disrupts, um, I, think, I think sometimes we think of grace or God's arrival as just being showing up and being okay with who we are and where we are in that moment. And that's true. That's 100% true. That, that's a, like a, a shame-taking-away mechanism of God, right? Like, you at your core are okay, and I love you. But I can't think of a story, and that's why we have, like, the story of Jesus where it's, like, put in flesh and blood so we can see it, that, yes, that reality is in the world. But I can't think of a story where Jesus doesn't show up and it doesn't create problems for almost everybody, Right, And you think of just the very story of the coming of Jesus on his birth and the problems it creates. All right, um, So you got this group from the east. They're not Jewish people. They don't believe in Yahweh. They don't believe in it. They're off trying to find something, and now all of a sudden there's this star, and there's supposedly God in flesh coming into the world. That changes their life. That changes their life if they believe that. You take the shepherds, right? The shepherd are out in the field. Now, the reason they're out in the field is they, they're like the bad people, right? Or probably a better word, the unsophisticated people. They're out in the fields because they've done something wrong. They're kind of marked by the community. They're not good enough. They're not whatever. They're out in the field, and um, God shows up or the angel shows up to let them know that Jesus has arrived. And the first thing the angel has to say is, fear not, Right? Don't be afraid because when God shows up, it, it disrupts things. It disrupts how they see themselves and it disrupts how they are now going to interact with society when it goes up. Uh, you think of Herod, the government. The government is completely disrupted 
when Jesus shows up. Jesus doesn't come and be like, hey, great job, Herod. Woo-woo! You know, just rule even more over these people because when um, the true gospel or when the true word shows up, it changes power dynamics. And um, the power dynamic that Herod had was power over, right? And here you have a God that humbles himself and comes down in his power with and and with us. So it, it wrecks everything. I mean, a true example of Christmas is not the little nativity and silent night. A true example of Christmas is a family Christmas dinner where we argue about politics and everything else. That's a true example of what Jesus showing up is because Jesus shows up and disrupts things. And um, I'm glad for that because if Jesus just showed up and was in some of my moments and was like, hey, you're great, you're wonderful, and walked away, I, I don't think that would be a loving act. If, if, if God didn't pull me to a new direction and didn't pull me to a new place. Yeah. Yeah, I think, like, that's a really powerful thing to think about is how there's a disruptive power of grace and that there's a, there's a, there's a growth that takes place when that grace shows up and when that presence of God fills. And it also makes me think, you know, a little bit, you know, about at Christmas how, like, we don't just celebrate some kind of arrival at a certain space in time, but you talked about the mode. Like, we celebrate, like, the way that God arrived, like, the mode of his arrival. There's this story in the Old Testament about this guy named Elijah, and, like, he's wanting to encounter God. Like, he's wanting to see God. He's wanting to hear from God. He's wanting an experience uh, of God, and it's First uh, Kings chapter 19, and he goes up on this mountain, and there's kind of like these these three modes, right? There's like this uh, this wind that shows up, right? And I'm not talking about like a little breeze, right? Like South Dakota wind is kind of how I like to think of that moment with Elijah, uh, right? Like a wind that almost hurts, you know, and he's expecting God to show up in that wind. And why is he expecting God to show up in that wind? And I think it's because he knows his Old Testament. He knows how God has shown up before, has shown up in power. He knows about the Exodus. He knows about how God has carried his people in a powerful way out of a place of slavery into a a place of freedom. So it would make sense. Like, oh yeah, he's going to show up in the wind. And he doesn't show up in the wind. Uh, And then there's like an earthquake, like, so there's this, like, we, we call these things, even in our world today, acts of God, right? This, like, this powerful moment that shakes things up, and he's not an earthquake either, where he would have expected him to be in, and there's a fire, and he's not in the fire, right? But then you keep reading in, in the story, and, and God shows up, like, with a whisper, and sometimes... I think we think of God showing up in a whisper as an unpowerful way to show up. And I think that's like what I love about what you're saying is that like one of the things that God is doing in the world as he enters into human history is that that whisper is changing people. That whisper is changing nations. That that whisper is impacting not just those of us who sit here, but that whisper has entered into human history, and that whisper will continue 
into human history. And so as you think about that, I think I would love to hear a little bit more about how that reframes what power is, how that reframes what strength is, just the, the mode, the way that Jesus you yeah. know, enters the world. Yeah. We can talk about that maybe a little bit. Can we do a Christmas lesson? Of course. So th this is a, some teachings that come from a guy by the name of Alexander Shia, Shea, something like that. If you're interested, I, I can get you his name. Um, for those of you who know, I like, I'm kind of a road warrior. I like to hit the road. And when I'm on the road, I like to podcast. And so it was about three years ago, we were heading down south and it was this time of year that. And so first, a quick little Christmas story about the season. First, Christmas was not celebrated for like five or 600 years after Jesus' Jesus's death, all right? Christmas was not a part of the normal tradition of Jesus' followers. They lived in a Mediterranean culture um, and had some things. Well, what happened, though, is as the faith began to expand and people are evangelizing, bringing the good news to people, um, the faith eventually ended up in northern hemispheres like we live in, right? And these northern hemispheres have seasons. How many people in here are aware that we have seasons? <laughs> All right. Does, is anybody unclear on what season we're in now? Right? It is cold. It is dark. It is just kind of a time where I, I hear people even just flat out saying that, like, yeah, it's just kind of a hard time of the year for me just because of the light um, and the time. And so when, when, the, when the, the story of Jesus goes from a Mediterranean culture and it goes to the Celts, all right, they have traditions that are built around the seasons because their seasons are important to them because that's how you decide to plant. That's how you decide to harvest. That's how you decide to have food. And so one of the seasons they have uh, really circles around, or one of the holidays they have, or rituals they have, circles around the winter solstice. Yeah. Anybody heard of the winter solstice? Yes, longest day of darkness for us, right? Longest day of winter. I think it's December 21st this year. And um, so they have this, and they come up, and these Mediterranean people are trying to teach this new culture about who Jesus is, and they're just not having it. They're like, it makes no sense what you're talking about. So this, again, is where Christianity, Christianity, Christianity at its best shows up and says, hey, God's already here. God's already at work. Let me help you see what God is doing. And so what the Christian church does at that time is says, oh, this is beautiful. You celebrate on the darkest of days, you have this ritual, and that ritual is totally designed to try to get some God's attention, some God's um, to, to, to come back and start moving towards light so you can harvest one day. And so what they basically say is, let me point you to a different direction. Let me point you to the person of Jesus and the God Yahweh, who at the very darkest of moments, so in the darkest of dark, shows up. You know, so often we think in the darkest of dark, that's, that's when God's absent from us. And we really celebrate the whole Christmas and the whole coming that in the darkest of dark, that's where grace is most alive. That is where grace can best be found, is on the darkest of dark days. And then that from that point on, in that day, that's the day that light pierces in. Mm -hmm. That's the day where all of a sudden, oh, that, we're putting a halt to that. Light pierces into that day, and now we're going to be moving forward to brighter days. And when I think about you, you talking about God showing up as a whisper, I, 
I'm going to speak for myself, but I believe it's true for us as an American culture. We are scared to death of darkness. We are scared to death of going to the dark places. Why can we not have a conversation about race? Because we're scared to death of darkness. Mm. Why can we not do the deep personal work inside our hearts with whatever it is? Mm. And why do we pick up our cell phones and avoid those moments and avoid those thoughts? Because we're scared of darkness. And I think what mm. Advent says is, A, in that dark spot, that's where God shows up. That's where God is. Yeah. He's already there, right? God's already there. And, and not only as encouragement if you're in a dark moment right now, but also as like encouragement to give courage that you and I and we can walk to that dark place. We can go to that dark place. We can do the deep work. We can have the hard conversations. We can do the soul searching because God shows up right there and then. And that's when grace becomes most evident. That's when grace becomes most profound. And so how do we walk into that darkness, not to be a bunch of Debbie Downers, but yeah. to do the real work and to realize that God loves us in that moment and on the same token to unveil what God is doing and to let light pierce into that mm -hmm. and move us into a new season. Yeah. Amen. I don't know if I answered your question, but I'm going with it. No. Amen. <laughs> yeah, and I think what's beautiful about that kind of the final piece today is that in the incarnation we see the act of courage that it is like it's an act of courage to enter somebody's story like it's an act of courage to kind of welcome the disdain of people that's like what jesus does right like he steps into human history and he gets a whole lot of hate a whole lot of disdain a whole lot of attack and you know it's an act of courage to deny yourself right and you know the book of philippians kind of talks about you know that that god like took on flesh and he came became obedient to death and even death on a cross and, and that there's this exaltation that's going to happen later but like first there's a death on the cross first and and then the kind of the last piece of that that i think is beautiful is an act of courage like is when you embrace the darkness that is unfolding in another person as if it is your own. Like not just saying like, yeah, that's kind of a thing that you're going to have to deal with, but I'm going to like stay over here. I'm not going to enter that. For me, that's a picture of the garden, right? So when Jesus is in, in the garden embracing the, the darkness that has not forever been a part of his story, but a darkness that he takes on in himself. And even that leads to this prayer, like God, if there's another way, like, if, there, if you've got an exit strategy, if you've got another map back there somewhere in the trunk, this would be a good time for that map. And, but, not my will, but your will. And so I think that's, that's the courage part that I think is beautiful. What do you want can to say? I, can I add to that, too? I think I, I was so profoundly struck by what Travis and Adam were talking about last week, right? Like, like that, the courage of stepping into somebody else's mm -hmm. story. But I want to also ask the courage to step into your own darkness. Yeah. to step into your own stuff. And, and, and at the exact same time, so another tradition, we don't practice it much here. I think in Canada they do Boxing Day, right? Is it the 26th? Yeah. 
right? So that also comes out of the Celtic culture, which is where typically during this same season when they're trying to bring the light, if you were a young man or if you were a man in general, you would run out and you would find a wren, the bird, and you would kill that wren, and that blood would be what would start to regenerate things. And there again, that's where the Christian church robbed a pagan holiday and said, oh, this makes sense to us, right? This, this makes sense to us, which, by the way, the 26th is like the third day after, at that time, was the third day after, right, the winter solstice. And they changed it to, yeah, this is, this is the story of Jesus, that in the darkest of darkest, you can go there, you can show up, but the best way out of the darkness of dark, too, is to give, hence Boxing Day. So instead of giving the blood of a wren and stuff like that, they started gathering up these boxes for widows and people that needed it. So that correlation of what we talked about last week, showing up in somebody else's darkness, but that's the best thing to do when you show up in your darkness, too, to start moving out of it, is, and it kind of goes together in that way, like when you probably are most resistant to be grace, when you're most resistant to give, your way out of it, your way to the light, your way to, so to speak, the season where there's going to be a harvest is to give of yourself in the middle of that. Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah, and I think that's like a, that's a great, I think, I'm not trying to be too cliche, but like to put a bow on the conversation, that was just there, I had to like do that. Um, but I think that, that's a good like challenge, right? Because there's probably a lot of us in the room and we're very comfortable stepping into other people's stuff, but we're way less comfortable and practiced probably of what we have rolling around inside. And so I think that's a, that's a beautiful a challenge. We see that in the way of Jesus. As we end today, would you be willing to pray? Uh, I kind of think of a few different things, like maybe just like praying blessing, you know, for somebody here today who's like, yeah, I'm not feeling any of this. You talk about God with us, but I am not included in that. I'm not feeling anything you're talking about. All the calendar stuff you're talking about, all this Bible stuff you're talking about, I, I'm, I don't know that God. I know a way different kind of God. Uh, and then I think praying for somebody that's here today who has experienced that in the past, but it's just been a really long time. Um, it's been a long time since they've felt like any of that's true. Um, and then maybe praying for the person who's here today uh, who, who knows that they've been skipping out on the invitation to pay attention to their own stuff uh, or to something that's going on in somebody else's his life. If you'd be willing to kind of pray, those are kind of three groups that kind of in the moment kind of seems like uh, might be present in the room. So if you'd be willing to do that, and then we'll invite the band up uh, as we close. Can we thank Richie before he prays, though? Thank you so much for joining us on the Invitation Church podcast. I want to encourage you to take the message that you just heard and receive every part of it. Every promise from God, every declaration of his great love for you, every word of hope, every reminder that you have been made for more. Allow what you've heard to take root in your soul to allow Jesus to do the deep work that only he can do. I also want to encourage you to be part of what we are doing here at Invitation as we invite people to live the way of Jesus. Go to the app and become a regular giver, an investor in the story that God is writing in this place. Also, if you found the message meaningful, we'd love to have you share it with someone else as you partner with us in carrying the message beyond the walls of the church. I want to thank you for being here with us. 
grace and peace.